This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. It was a crazy busy weekend in the NFL I think there's a variety of things that could take the lead. Obviously, we've talked about one of them, the ending of the Lions-Cowboys game, a lot today. Is it possible that Joe Flacco was the biggest story or is the biggest story happening in the NFL right now, even though that seems preposterous? I can't think of, I mean, aside from maybe Lamar Jackson staking his claim Ooh, to MVP. To yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought there was a moment where I was like, man, Joe Flacco MVP. Like, uh, that, that needs to be floated out there for <laughs> he a minute. He must have been talking to Brandon. He's you know, on that. Is he train. really? He says Super Bowl MVP. Okay. So just get ready That'll be, that, You know, that'll. Joe. Yeah. That'll be uh, most Joes do win in the Super Bowl MVPs. That's, That's kind of how it goes. That's a good point. Uh, I guess Montana and Namath. Uh huh. Is that the only two and Joes? Flacco. And Flacco. Oh, and Flacco. He already did it. I yeah. forgot him already. But not Joey. I was Harrington. thinking Joe Morris, the running back for the Giants in the eighties. It's like he didn't win MVP. Uh, you no. Okay. The um, I guess the other the only other thing that we could bring up is that Cowboys fumbling near the goal line is a problem for them. Uh, yeah. We need to fix that. Because uh, there's two games now. They've done that. Could have won Miami game had they not fumbled at the goal line early in the game. Anyway, that's a different story for a different time, Kevin. But, yeah, Joe Flacco's rise to prominence, having big-time 300-yard games uh, since December 3rd as he's been rolling through this thing. And there's a lot of people are trying to question why. But Cleveland has a good team. They were just lacking good quarterback play. Let's go to cut number 14 because here's a highlight of him doing his thing, I guess. Flacco on third and goal. Throwing. Caught. Elijah Moore for the score. All right. So Joe Flacco, by the way, could earn a ton of money for all of this. How much? All right. He gets... $30 $30 million. Okay. That's a big contract. Well, I mean, that's how much good quarterbacks get paid. At right. le- like, just good. If you're great, you get 40-plus million. That's nice. true. In the future. I mean, just in terms of inside the season. You might be disappointed by the number, Mike, because it's not that much. Is he gets $75,000 per win. If they win a wild card game and Flacco plays, he'll get another $250,000. 500000 for the divisional round. $1 million for the AFC Championship game. And if the Browns win the Super Bowl and he plays, he'll make another $2 million. So he could make $4 million just in incentives for winning That's in really good. and playing in these games. Because they're like, give him these incentives. Yeah, we're yeah. never going to be He's there. Never we don't have get to, to worry this. about this. He he really is a good quarterback. Now, will he be a good quarterback uh, in the wild card round? Because they're going to have to be on the road. They're going to play that first game uh, against a team they'll be favored to beat. They'll be the five seed. Uh, but... You look at it and you go. You know who they line up with right now, right? Yeah, I do. They'll lose. I mean, my team will lose. 
Jacksonville, even though they did. They shut off the Panthers. They made the Tepper guy throw a drink, so at least they got that going for him. But uh, I look at it and think that they will beat Jacksonville, if that's the case. Jacksonville, I mean, I'm going to be honest, they could easily lose to Tennessee on the road. Uh, and then the winner of the Monday, it's Sunday night football game is uh, Indianapolis and Tennessee. Then the winner of that game would be the division champ. Yep. But I look at Joe Flacco, and I asked this question last week during Mike Ask All the Football Questions. So I like this question is – my question was, is he a really good quarterback? Because he, he is playing like a really good quarterback. And I don't know. Will this continue? Because if you were just ranking quarterbacks on nothing in the past, only the last, let's say, from November 1st till now, because he wasn't playing before then, if you just look at kind of who's playing the best quarterback in the NFL for the last two months, he would arguably be in the top He'd be in the top 10 for sure. He probably wouldn't be in the top five as I'm going through my head. He probably wouldn't be in the top five. But I think once you get to quarterback six through 10 in the NFL and you just take November 1 to December 31, like I hate saying this because he's way better, but he's playing better than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is way better. Like It's not even close. I hear what you're saying. I do. But if you just look at how they've played recently – You'd go, well, it's not fair to Patrick Mahomes. They have him out there with Arlington Renegades wide receivers. But, I mean, it's... Defending champions. It is Joe Flacco playing great football right he, now. Well, he does have eight interceptions right now. and Catchable ball. Is that, uh, well, <laughs> uh, and... So it, dumb. <laughs> so dumb. He's, he's 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I'm not going to oh, say, well, like... I'm going to take back how good he's playing. But then. it's not like his career has ever been a 30-touchdown uh, guy. You know, he I think the most he ever had was like 25, 26, something like that. Uh, maybe 27 touchdowns. But, Kevin, for, for four games in 2012, yes! his rating was a 125.6, 116.2, 106.2, and 124.2 in the Super Bowl. He had... Two, three, three, uh, nine, eleven touchdowns, no interceptions on that playoff run. He was phenomenal for that four-game stretch, and it never was quite the same after that for Joe Flacco. I think uh, 2016 may have been his next best year after that. But dude, like he was, he he was done. He was with the Jets, and they were like, "Sorry, you're not good enough." Joe Flacco lands with the Browns. They need a quarterback. They have a good run game with Jerome Ford. They have a solid defense. And just real quick, Mike, that's what makes this story all the bigger, to Corey's point, is he wasn't that good. If you told me that Aaron Rodgers had come back from his – or he didn't have his injury and he just showed up with the Jets and was really awesome, I would be like, oh, wow, okay, so he's still really good. Joe Flacco has been off the map forever. Like, if you're – Cleveland. I don't think there's going to be another team compete in the offseason to sign him as their starting quarterback, right? I don't think Washington or whoever else has a bad quarterback situation is going to go, hey, you know what? Let's bring back 38, 39-year-old Joe Flacco to lead this organization. But I do think Cleveland, who kind of just took a flyer on him now, is in the offseason going to go, hey, with Deshaun Watson's history here. Shouldn't we sign him to like yeah. a one-year six million or one-year? I I don't think it'll be this high, but ten million dollar deal to make sure that if if Deshaun Watson either struggles tremendously or gets hurt, 
we've now seen uh, Joe Flacco be able to come in and go four and one in the five games he started. I'm not kidding. I think the next three weeks will answer that because if this team keeps trucking along, like deep, I understand the defensive component of it. I do think they'll be inclined yeah. to do that. So I, I've pulled up his game log, Corey. It's unless you said this, and I'm sorry, I'm messing up. It's been four games in a row. He's thrown for over 300 yards. So yeah. even with the defense and the running game, he is throwing interceptions. I didn't realize how many interceptions he's throwing, but he is throwing. Uh, besides his first game at 254 yards against the uh, L.A. Rams, he's thrown for 300 or more yards in the last four games. And also look at Amari Cooper's game log over that stretch, too. Wasn't he out some? Uh, or was his, has he played in all the, the games? The 10th, 17th, and 24th. 77 yards on seven catches, four catches for 109 yards and a touchdown, and then against the Texans, 11, 265, and two touchdowns. He has... He found Amari Cooper, and those two made – they were phenomenal did together. He, did Amari get the drug testing notice like CD did after his game? <laughs> I don't know this about is that. Is that why he sat out? Good night. That is a fun Just think of Lyle Collins signs yep. with the Cowboys. He, he hates peeing. So – In cups, at least. It could be Flacco. Could it be the Bears clinching the number one pick, the Ravens getting the number one seed, the 49ers getting the number one seed, the Eagles dropping to number five? I realize for local purposes, the Eagles dropping to number five makes a lot of sense, but Lamar Jackson is about to win his second MVP. And and I've, se- I've seen some people say this, and somebody even texted this in and said, are his stats really worthy of being MVP? And, and that's an interesting question. You to play me. to win the game. And that's where I think you're, you've, you're spot on because – They have the best record in the NFL, and he's their quarterback. They've won six straight games. In those six straight games, he's thrown 14 touchdowns with two interceptions. You go back two weeks ago, nobody can touch the 49ers. They smoked the 49ers, and he was really good in that game. You go to a Dolphins team that obviously is fighting for a lot. And And possibly the one seed. Yes, yes. They smoke the Dolphins. And I'm not trying to discount the Ravens' defense because in both of those games, their defense was also in control. But in those last two games, Lamar Jackson has thrown for a total of 573 yards with seven touchdowns and zero interceptions. In the last four games, he's been the leading passer and the leading rusher for his team. (laughs) If stats (laughs) meant everything, and I know that I'm, I'm picking here and it's not fair, I believe Jameis Winston has been top five in yards passing quite a few years in his career. So if we're just looking for, well, he doesn't pass for a lot of yards. Well, yeah. guess what? Jameis Winston passes for a lot of yards and loses a lot of football games. So I understand the criticism of Lamar Jackson. But when you look at his career now, because his rookie year was 18 and he played in the last seven games. Yes. He went six and one. So he didn't play that whole rookie year. <clears throat> So if you look at, he's been quarterback in the NFL as a starting quarterback to start the year, and there's been injuries along the way, but five years in his career, he's been the starting quarterback to start the year for his team, and he now is going to have two MVPs out of the five years he's been a starting quarterback in the NFL. The only person that comes close to competing with that because it's two in six years is Patrick Mahomes. In the last six years, it's it's weird because this would mean Aaron Rodgers is about to go back-to-back again because it went Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and as long as it looks like what – and he's a favorite by a million miles oh, – yeah. is Lamar Jackson. So there's a trend there. 
Does that make sense? Yes. It goes it goes backwards, forwards, or forwards, backwards. So out of the last six years, there's only been three people to win an MVP. They're all going to have two, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and now Lamar Jackson. And, and this is the thing. Like, I already liked Lamar Jackson quite a bit. This is only hammered home how much I like him is just how many people, I don't know what they're paying attention to. Like from the 972, I don't know what this person is paying attention to. Lamar Jackson's stats suck. All right, let's take a look at his stats. Where is he at in the almighty QBR? Because that's what everybody cares about, right? He's fourth in the league. Is that first? Absolutely not. But that doesn't suck. He's fourth in the league in QBR. What about touchdown passes to interception ratio? I think he's third among the qualifying quarterbacks behind C.J. Stroud and Dak. So he's high up on that list. He's better than Brock Purdy in that category. If you just look at, well, how many touchdown passes has he thrown? Neat. That is an outdated. Yeah. That is an outdated he, way of looking at this award. I love what you're saying because I've never been like a. I love Lamar Jackson, but I do like him. You, you have to. A quarterback's job is to lead teams to wins. Now I get sometimes they do it different ways. Like I get it. A few years ago, Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, he's not a good quarterback. He's a below-average quarterback. He does have a team that allowed him to win quite a few games with the San Francisco 49ers, go to a Super Bowl, go to another NFC championship game. But Lamar Jackson is the leader of that team. He's their best player. And when he is healthy, he leads them to 12-plus wins every year. Now, obviously, when he gets hurt, right, he can't do that because he's not playing in all the games. But there's something to be said about Lamar Jackson, who is still a young guy. This is his fifth year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Only his fifth. If you want to go five and a half years, then five and a half years. And the dude is going to win his second MVP. And he does play the role in a different way than conventional. Definitely. He is more in the mold of uh, Randall Cunningham or Michael Vick. At least in my lifetime, two guys that definitely did it a little bit different way than a traditional Joe Montana or... I guess in a way, John Elway, he was more of a scrambling quarterback than you'd say Joe Montana or Troy Aikman or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but he does it in a way that deserves regular season MVPs. If you want to be critical of him in the playoffs, you can be, and the playoffs haven't happened yet. It So a lot of this will be a little bit of, I don't know, Corey, if he loses, if he doesn't win the Super Bowl or at least get to the Super Bowl, there's going to be a lot of criticism of Lamar Jackson, fair or unfair. So this is awesome MVP, but I know that his his likely like being liked as a great quarterback will be based a lot on his his playoffs. And that that's why winning the MVP could be a blessing and a curse because I, if he loses anywhere short of at worst the AFC Championship game. Yeah. He is going to get dinged a lot. And right. even that, I don't know if it's enough. I just, just real quick. Yeah. From the 817, Dak's stats are better than Lamar. That's if you ignore what's actually happening in the games that matter. As a whole, they're not watching Lamar Jackson play. I, I, I guess that might be. They're just looking at the box score. But yes, if you look at the box score, like I just said, one of the people with better touchdown to interception ratio than. Lamar Jackson is Dak Prescott. Yes. One of the one of the people with a better QBR is Dak Prescott. What happened in the games 
that mattered, all right? I just told you in the last two games where Lamar Jackson has gone from fourth to second to MVP leader, he's thrown for almost 600 yards total and seven touchdowns versus no interceptions against the 49ers and the Dolphins. What did Dak do against those two against those two teams? Two key losses for the Cowboys. He had three total t- three passing touchdowns and three interceptions. Like if you look and 400 yards passing. If you look at the games that matter, that's what wins the award. Not the compilation of your stats over the entire year every time. That's yeah. why we said with when Dak was winning, Corey, there's still a lot of time here, and these last few games are going to determine a lot. And Lamar Jackson played the best football in the NFL for the last three to four games. I, Kevin, also take that stretch against Detroit, Arizona, and Seattle. I know, like, why would the Cowboys played those teams too? And he beat they, his team – Beat them 38-6, 31-24, Seattle 37-3. And like the the factors are, are there. Dak has been exceptional, man. There have been moments sure. where Dak has been fantastic. He's actually second place in odds. I would say yes. a mile. I would apart, say the, but... the number that stands out a lot to me with Lamar Jackson is his completion percentage is three points higher than his career completion percentage. It's the best it's ever been. And, and yards been a... by like over five hundred more yards. And, and you kind of have to stop it now because the other year that it was a 16 game season too. And that's that's a that's a number the completion percentage number is a number that that's like everybody always bashed him about being a, a poor quarter sure. poor thrower. And that percentage number he's what one point behind Dak, two behind Brock Purdy and that's yeah. about it. Everybody else he's right there with them. I know we're out of time and it's a whole, for another discussion. I can understand if you're a big Dak Prescott fan and I do like Dak Prescott. I could see you saying I don't want to trade Dak Prescott for Lamar Jackson. I can understand that conversation. But I can't understand the conversation of Dak Prescott has played better in 2023 than Lamar Jackson. That doesn't make sense to me. For the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan, coming up next, the theory of and the Cowboys' struggles in the middle eight. Let's talk about it next right here. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. On the fan. Anger will punt it away. Raymond is under it. At the 16. Ran away from one tackler. Heads left. Uh-oh. 30. 40. Drag down then. 
Chauncey Golston came and got him, but that was the wrong time to give up a punt return. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. You might be wondering why we played a not-touchdown punt return right there. It's because I really want to dive into how much the Cowboys struggle in the middle eight. But before we go any further, are you guys familiar with the concept of the middle eight? Yes, I've heard of the middle eight before. Those are the middle eight linemen. Uh, no. The play defense. No. no, it's the middle eight minutes okay. of the of the football game. It's more and and specifically people break it up. Although I know there are some people who backload the third quarter and break it up yeah. differently. But specifically, the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter. Earlier in the season, maybe about a month and a half ago, we talked about the Cowboys' struggles in the third quarter in general. So with that in mind, would you say, without looking at the numbers, just your gut feeling from watching all the games, listening to him right here on the fan, do you think the Cowboys are a good team in the middle eight? Um, I don't. I've only had one drop one time this season, I think it was Philadelphia, that I thought they were good at it. And I feel like you I can't remember if it was Philadelphia or not. I'll tell you something about that game but, in a minute. But there was one time where I felt like they drove down the field and did what they were supposed to do this season in that in that time period. I feel like there's been other times where McCarthy's flubbed it going into halftime and then out of the out of the out of the backside either they stalled on their drive to go score or they didn't have the ball because they took it early in the game. I think it's a good question. I would lean towards their above average, okay. but I understand where they could be hurt because there were two games, obviously Buffalo and San Francisco, where midway through the third quarter, the Cowboys quit. And what I mean by that is they were so demoralized by the physicality of the game. That's where they were like, we can't compete yep. with this style of football. We don't want to play this style of football. Let's just take our 40-point loss pretty much and get out of here because they're not going to stop bullying us and we don't want to fight back. So that's where you're getting destroyed in that area. So I wonder if those games, and not just well, those two. by that point, you would be past the middle eight. So it wouldn't necessarily affect. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Before like, eight, after eight. So those games. Don't, so I'm going to say above average. Okay. So the whole reason this came up is I, I was part of the Cowboys crosstalk on Wednesday. Oh, fancy guy. Free meal. Hanging out at the store. <laughs> had to wear a collared shirt. Drinking the special nice. maker's mark. Yeah, I've it, been there I once. I did not do that. That's for Blanton's instead. Is, they were like really disappointed with my dress. Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't wear a dress, but. Would you? No, 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 no. We're not getting into that right now. We have a meeting. Nate Newton was there, of course. And Dave Campo was there. So I was talking a lot with That's Dave good. Campo about the middle eight. And we got into that concept. And so I decided to, like, dive into, specifically, I focused on the five games that they lost. In their five losses, the middle eight, they were outscored 34 to 6. And they were outscored every single time in the middle eights. And the reason why I wanted to check that out is because Ugh. it lined up with something that happened in the Detroit game. Because I understand if you're like, well, they lost, so it probably didn't go well. Fair enough. The reason why I wanted to look this up is their middle eight against Detroit, it was awful. Oh. So they, they got the ball three times. Now, I realize one of those times is like towards the end of the half. You don't want to count that. I'm fine with it. One that. of them wasn't. It was too early or too late. The C.D. Lamb fumble at the one. 
Did that was that drive uh, not in it? No, because that was a good drive. It no, just... yes, that was not in the middle eight. Okay. What happened in the Cowboys? Two real possessions in the middle eight. Okay, and this is what when it's seven to three. Okay. And the whole reason, I guess it's a good and a bad thing. We're able to, like, break down micro levels of things in the games because you're going to the playoffs. Hopefully, you'll be the number two seed. And these are the things that are going to make the difference if you want to go anywhere. They got the ball twice for real drives. It was 7-3 to three both times. What happened in those real drives? They gained a total of 40 yards and had a penalty on both drives. One was that preposterous delay of game where we just forgot how time works. And then Mike McCarthy dared to point at the thing that said two-minute warning, even though everyone saw that those clocks weren't even, and then a false start. Maybe you couldn't like, see you what remember that, was, right? Yeah. Well, what were we doing there? Everybody, like, even, right, I mean, now Dak's having a great year. I think McCarthy's having a great year, too. And I know that he made a lot of mistakes the other day in a win. But how in the world didn't everybody know, like, when the clock was at 220, you're going to have to snap the ball? <laughs> Like everybody, I'm just assuming you yes. guys watching the game, me watching the game. I'm just assuming all of our Tolos watching the go, game was like, "Not nah, gonna work." Not yeah, gonna you, work. you Not see gonna it two twenty. You're like, "Okay, I see that they're going to have to snap the ball before the two minute warning." I no, you're. <laughs> I I so it gave you at least twenty seconds to know, and I mean you could know thirty seconds more. Like we have to snap the ball. The clock says we have to snap the ball before the two minute warning. I realize how much people are caught up about that two point play or the three two point plays, and I understand that was the most mind boggling play of the game to me. When you see it's there's there's two thirty five left in the game clock, and there's thirty three seconds left in the play clock, and you're like, well, let's ride it out to the two minute warning, and you're like, that's that's not gonna work. Yeah, it's this is kind of weird that. I, and I, I'm sorry, Kevin. Have you gone through the wins, the games they won yet? On the I, no. Okay, it, it's just weird to me, considering how much time they spend on this specific time of the game. Yep. How much they spend on? I, maybe it's the fourth. Maybe it's just the two 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 uh, two minute drill that they spend so much time on. But when we're out at uh, training camp, we hear, "Hey, we got four minutes left in the fourth in the second quarter, yep. and we're going to this, and we're trying to do this, and they're they're trying to do all these things." And granted. Some of the things we said we saw, we finally started to see develop later in the season. I mean, that touchdown pass to Brandon Cooks uh, in this game. We saw that play multiple times. We're like, okay, there it is. So it's weird that they practice it so much, yet they look so disorganized whenever this time does come, or they don't they don't execute it, or McCarthy, I don't know if he goes into this, you know what, I can. I got Brandon Aubrey, I can just kick a 60 or 70-yard field goal and run the clock out here, or you know what, Let's. He's all, it always feels like he is trying to go for the, the dagger, yeah. and that ends up screwing them over somehow, too. And I know a lot of times people focus on the middle eight for you can double dip, right? You can score at the end of the second quarter, score again at the beginning of the third quarter, and sure, I agree with that, that's great. But the whole reason it came about, if you go back to, well, I'm sure it existed before, but the whole reason Bill Belichick focused focused on it is if you could take up the last four minutes of the second quarter, and then there's halftime, and then you take up the first four minutes of the third quarter, that other team's offense, that other team's quarterback is sitting there for what, 45, 60 minutes? Yeah, but the ten, you at least want to have a 10-point swing there. Like that's a factor sure. that you want to be a I big agree. deal in that in that uh, however many minutes that they're sitting not getting out on the field, that you have changed it to where they are now either 
only up by a few points or they are down by 10 points more than they expected to be. Because in this game, it was 7-3 to three before, and it was 7-3 to three after, and you're like, great. And, I mean, I don't know, Mike, do you remember the Spurs that always felt like two minutes left? Uh, this is basketball that I'm talking about here. <laughs> just want everybody to realize I am changing this a little bit. But it felt like with two minutes left against the Spurs going into halftime, they were about to clobber you and you either climb back from a 20-point deficit or put yeah. you 20 in the hole. Yeah. And that, that was always a huge factor was going into that, that's where they played their best. All yeah. game, they were setting you up for this moment. And to your point, in basketball, coaches talk a lot about closing quarters strong because there feels like there can be a big momentum change. If you do lose the last two minutes by five points in basketball and you consistently do that, you're like, guys, we're playing great the 10 minutes of quarter, but it seems like as we get to the end of the quarter – they're taking advantage of us. They get momentum going into the next quarter, and we're struggling to make up those bad two minutes to finish out quarters. And so what you're talking about here is, are you are you saying we're below average? Yes. Okay, so you're saying that it's making it tough on the Cowboys for those final, uh, why am I drawing, 20-plus minutes. Yeah. That it's making it difficult on the Cowboys' final 25 Three. minutes of yeah. the game? No, you're right, 26, my bad. Is... It is making it difficult or perhaps more difficult than it needs to be. Keeping the game closer yes, than it needs to be. Yes, because and that almost – that, And it's been a blowout season. I know this last game was a close game. The Miami game was a close game. But there's been more lopsided games in Cowboys history in a season than there's ever been. You're right about that. And I'm not saying – like this isn't an argument for – let's take the Bills and the 49ers. Like, yeah. great. You could have done as well as conceivably possible in the middle eight. Wouldn't made a difference. Right. But let's take a look at the three games where maybe it could have made a difference. The Cardinals, you got outscored six to nothing. That's when that game felt like it maybe was starting to get away from you. That first Eagles game where clearly that came down to the end, you got outscored seven to three because while you got a field goal, then you gave up a touchdown. Mm -hmm. And so that's just not going to work. And then the Dolphins game, you gave up a touchdown and you scored nothing. The thing that alarms me in this is middle eight points against the Cardinals, zero. 49ers, three. Eagles, three. Bills, zero. Dolphins, zero. Lions, zero. They've had and they have had they've had opportunities. Exactly. Plenty of opportunities. And that's why I think the Lions game bothers me the most. Not just because you we just played them. And I get it. It's top of mind. This was a this was a team that it looked like you could have. I'm not saying it would have been a blowout, but it would have been a comfortable most of the second Run half. Run away with it, yeah. Yeah, but you were incapable of having that 10-point swing that Corey talked about. You did nothing going into halftime. You did nothing coming out of halftime. And then look what happened. The game came down to the last, I guess, three plays is what it ended up being. Yeah. Corey, this is kind of a topic off of the topic. And you talked about earlier in the show, you talked about how you're worried about the Cowboys' defense in close games down the stretch, right? The last two games, they're kind of 0 for 2. I uh -huh. guess you could say that they're 1 and 1 because after allowing the touchdown, they didn't allow the two-point conversion in a way. They yeah. didn't allow, Ultimately, I, yes. they didn't allow the two-point conversion. So – if you look at close games, because the Cowboys haven't played many of them, well, you just won 20 to 19, but that's a little bit of a scary one because you could look at it going, hey, you were up by seven points there with under two minutes to go. The other team had no timeouts, and they easily scored a touchdown yep. to really tie the game up. They just decided to go for two. You're in a close game against Miami. You lost. 
you were in a close game against Seattle and you won. That was a very good win. And then you were in a close game against Philadelphia after the bye week. I won't count the Chargers game as a great win. I'm not at the time it was a great win early on in the year. But you're not really a good team in close games. To kind of yes. your point here is yes, you beat Seattle. Yes, you beat Detroit the other night. But in these other close games, which the Cowboys don't play, they've ended up failing at the end of games. And that could be, you know, not playing a lot of them uh, could be a factor. Um, the other the other part of it is it's a team that talks a lot about situational football. like they And that's situational football. Oh, of course. Knowing that this is the moment to, and everybody understanding what we're trying to accomplish here. Whether it is, hey, we're going to put one up and try and draw a forty-yard pass interference. That's you know that's the 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 bailout at the end of this thing is that's what we're going to try and do. Or we're just trying to get a field goal. Or we're going to go down and score a touchdown. Knowing all these guys, knowing what they're trying to effort towards is something that I don't understand why Mike McCarthy can't get that clear to these guys that this is the situation and this is why it's going to benefit us. And I think if they can know that and understand it they'll be able to execute it a little bit better because you have more clarity in, in your why, the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish in that moment. And they aren't at ha- going into halftime and coming out of the half. I wanted to know real quick, I know we got Mike likes it. Yeah. Are you okay with a random bit of audio that fits nowhere else in the show, but I just think it's hilarious? I love hilarious audio. Sounds like something we do and you don't. Let's. <laughs> yeah, like that's, you're tw- hey, that go- you're going off the script here. That I like fair. it. Hey. It's a new year, 2024. Corey. Kevin's is new, joining our side of randomness. Let's go to cut number 11. This is Victor Wembenyama talking about his first experience in Las Vegas. What did you think? Your first experience with Vegas, too. What did you think yeah, about right. the lights and the weather? And the, I mean, and the... to me, it's probably on Earth. It's the closest thing to a dystopia so <laughs> i'm not the biggest fan of vegas a dis- dystopia a dystopia so every movie wow. that you see where they don't have soap no no not no, dystopian it's an imagined state or society in which there's great suffering or injustice like you know whenever they talk about in the future and things have gone bad post-apocalyptic yeah the solar flare or the ai or whatever the dinosaurs came back exactly well, that would be really interesting. Is there like in a dystopian future? And that's what Wemby thinks of Las okay. Vegas. So we'll be there in like a month. This is interesting because I'm not a fan of Las Vegas either. I've played baseball there in the minor leagues. Obviously, I've been there for a vacation. I'm not saying I didn't have a good time during vacation. You saw Garth Brooks there? I've seen Garth. I hung out with Garth Brooks a couple times there at his uh, foundation stuff for baseball. Is I look at Las Vegas and maybe not Las Vegas, because that whole town is built off of the gambling casino deal. There, sure. It would just be a desert if it wasn't there. There wouldn't be a town. It'd be stupid to have a town there. There's no water, okay? <laughs> but if... You if, just save that, Alec, just for the future. Just, there's you, no water. If you look at gambling towns, like, I hate saying this because there might be people that are listening from there or whatever. I think Shreveport's a total dump. Oh, no. And... I'm not saying that Dallas-Fort Worth will become a dump. I know that it's Mark Cuban, and it's, I'm sorry, I always forget her name, the new owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Mm -hmm. that they want to have gambling and casinos here. I just wonder, because of the dumpiness of Shreveport, the, at times, Las Vegas, when we, you know, if you really kind of, there's a lot of 
uh, I don't know how to put it, but people there that are desperate, desperate people there, and it's the environment that is there. Do we really want to have that in Dallas Fort Worth? Do we? And I, mean, I don't. I know that nobody wants Shreveport here in Irving or wherever. Nobody wants a city of Shreveport in our metroplex. Right. I guess we're hoping that we don't create that if we do get gambling here. But I do worry every Atlantic City. Everybody tells us in the card, yeah. baseball card, that basketball card. Sucks. Like when they have yeah. the national there, it's the worst place ever. People are getting robbed. People are getting shot. Like it's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible place. And so I just wonder off of Wimby's experience, off of maybe my experience of going to gambling cities, I just don't know. I understand the freedom of doing whatever you want with your money and betting on sports and betting on cards. I also think they view it like I think a lot of times this gets viewed in terms of think about all the jobs, think about all the money. And sometimes I'm not saying what you what you're throwing out there is wrong. They try to like lessen the impact of those negative things. Yeah, they'll mute that for sure. Uh, and the, the, the money is the biggest sale. So that's the biggest factor is it's going to come into yeah. your state. I guess all I've, these people yeah. are bringing this money into your state, into this community. That's all that they're thinking about. I mean, the about. casino owners obviously get rich. I yes. mean, they become billionaires off of it, yeah. if not more than billionaires. I just, for our community, as I know, Wimby's talking about, about Vegas, but there's a big, big thing happening in Dallas, Fort Worth is, Pretty much a casino owner bought the Dallas Mavericks and wants to bring casinos to Dallas or at least the outskirts of Dallas and the outskirts like not very far, like 10 minutes outside of downtown Dallas in Irving. She wants to bring it there. And so does Mark Cuban. And they will benefit tremendously from that. I just don't know, and I see the positive of the community sure. better, but I just feel like there's more negative. The more I think about this, the more I think there's going to be more negative in our Metroplex if we bring casinos into our Metroplex. I, I, I am kind of curious. In- but there will be freedom. I'm not saying there's not freedom. You will. There'll be plenty of my friends. Not plenty. There'll be a few of my friends that I worry about tremendously if they have the freedom to gamble all they want. You know not to worry about me, Mike. I only make big bets, all right? I only go for the big ones uh, that cost a lot of money, Kevin. But I guess from what y'all have heard and learned, that area, is that are we still thinking Irving is the area for a resort, or is that an area for... Where the Mavericks the want their facility the, to be. Where the Mavericks would have their stadium slash Both. casino yeah. hotel yeah. built. Like, yeah. it would be everything. There. That would be my guess as well. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I see that area as a, like, I can totally see the vision. Like, of from their perspective of all of this right here can be developed into a bigger, uh, another area just like it. Because there's more around that. And then what happens from there, whenever you've gotten your spot, and now you're like, hey, well, what about this little this little square right here? Well, it's owned by a bunch of families. Well, we can get them out of there pretty quickly. And now you're taking over more. That, that's that's where I see the, their vision. I don't really care about what they bring here as long as they have a building where they can bring that money in. All right. It kind of feels yeah. like we've already kicked no, yeah. off Mike I, likes I it. Actually, I had no clue that Wimby was talking about Vegas, but I've actually I just thought it was funny the way he phrased that. Kind of the holidays. I've just been thinking about what the Mavericks want to do, what Mark Cuban and once again, I'm sorry, Alderson, is that right? Mrs. Ald I'm gonna say Mrs. Adelson. Adelson, thank you. What they're trying to do without laws being here to do, but it just makes me worry when I think about Atlantic City, when I think about Shreveport, when I think about parts I hear what of Vegas. You're saying on how it could we could really regret 
having all of that. Sure. Or we could benefit. Or it could be good. I've just mm. been, for some reason, thinking about the regret of if we do this. Like, in Oklahoma City, that's in the middle of nowhere. They just said, hey, here's a here's a casino. Yeah, there's there's no around there. There's no community. There's no houses. There's nobody there yeah, it's to just, disrupt. Yeah, it's just, they were like, hey, we have plenty of space to expand if we need yeah. to. We'll put some apartments over here that people can stay at that while they're waiting. There. Yeah, yeah. Or, or they're waiting to go gamble the next day. I, I do have a question to both of y'all regarding not the that part of it, but because they have so much money, do you Who's think the they? The they, not Mark Cuban. Big casino? The casi- well, or the Addison. the Addisons. Okay. Because they have so much money and their their venture really is, you know, what we've discussed with wanting to bring gambling here so that they can have their resorts and build new areas and, you know, have another place that's very centrally located international airport where lots of people can come and just land here and gamble and go do their thing make it a destination do you think that they will be more likely to be willing to invest more into the team and i don't know if this is a conversation for another day and say we can do this conversation we are willing to go into the luxury tax for mark you take care of this i personally don't think so i think this is a this is what they had to do to get this specific foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? Texas like, door? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, because obviously that family, they're plenty, they are plenty invested in gambling communities. I think this is what they needed to do to get their foot in the door for Texas gaming and gambling. I, I actually do not think that it's going to uh, make that big of a difference in the team. I could be totally wrong. By the way, I'm sure y'all talked about this last week. Did you see where Mark Cuban said nowhere in the contract does it say he'll stay in charge right. yeah. of basketball operations? That's what I said, two years. Um, I think it's a great question. Ultimately, we don't know because this family really is not speaking publicly at all. Right. They're, As most ownership letting, families Mark, don't. Right. They're letting Mark right. Cuban do his thing. Right. In fact, you know, Ray Davis was a pretty quiet owner even this year throughout the good year. Now, he spoke up, obviously, when he let go of Chris Woodward. Uh, or, sorry, when he let go of John Daniels after they let go of Chris Woodward. Like, I remember Ray Davis needed to speak then because he was letting go of the general manager slash president slash whatever else title that John Daniels had to say, Chris Young is now in charge of everything. There will be no more John Daniels in the organization. And he had to speak then. And he spoke, obviously, when they got the All-Star game. And said, yep. yeah. hey, Chris Young, I give you authority to do whatever you have to do to make sure Bruce Bochy is managing this all-star game, which meant getting to the World Series. Yeah, he's had two approaches. That is, I talk about business or I talk about my GM doing baseball. Like, right. that feels like what Ray Davis says. Throughout this offseason, right, the Rangers have won. I can't find you one quote from Ray Davis. And I'm not saying that's good or that's bad. I'm just saying that Ray Davis has gone back to, like, I'm not talking at all about baseball or at least i can't find it if it has been and i'm sorry i've missed it is i feel like this group this family i don't think they care at all about basketball now that, i think you're right now that doesn't mean good or bad if they say we don't care because we have i don't know 20 billion dollars i have not looked at what their actual worth is and i'm sure it's easy to find but they're worth a lot more than mark cuban if they're like look we don't care mark we're gonna let you run things and if you trade for this person, when Derek Lively becomes close to free agency, just max him out. We don't care. 
go way over the budget. We're going to become the Golden State Warriors, go way over budget, and we don't care to pay penalties, whatever. That'll be great, even if we don't care about basketball. But I just wonder, when you don't care about basketball, and this family doesn't, if you don't care, and Mark Cuban, who is the runner of basketball operations for the Mavericks in a weird way, he still runs the the basketball operations. If he in this offseason says we can do this trade, it's going to cost us this much. But if we're going to keep all the players we're trading for, it's going to cost us another $100 million in penalties and, and stuff like that. I just don't know if that family is going to say, oh, no problem. We'll we'll throw another $100 million at I the Mavericks. So. Or if they're just going to say, hey, we're selling out. You got Luka. We're making $150 million a year off of this team. I don't want to spend another $100 million and possibly only make $50 million this year. I'm in it for the business. I'm Ross Perot Jr. in a way, except have way more money. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I hope that they, they're they like, we don't really care about basketball, but we'll we'll spend as much as you want. Yeah, the other, the other part, the other question I kind of have is – because uh, I've seen it a couple times already. You guys are the the smoke shows all there, and y'all are falling for it. They're trying. They want to move the Mavericks to Las Vegas. No, they don't. And I don't understand why the NBA would want to lose the team in this market. It doesn't make sense to me that the NBA would be like, "Hey, yeah, that, we're going to approve something like that." This market is important to to the NBA. For my no, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe the Mavericks in Vegas is better for the NBA. Maybe that 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 move. But I think a team in Vegas is very important for the NBA. But you'd have a team in Sacramento over Dallas. Yeah. yeah. Like if we need to move a team to Vegas, the there's Mavericks like are not moving ten to Vegas. Orlando. Yeah. Like Sacramento comes to mind. I do know that obviously the owner of LA wants to have two teams in LA just wants his own place, which he's getting his yeah. own place, right? The yes, Clippers. He is. So I understand that, but I just feel like there's a lot of other ways to move Charlotte. Who gives two crap? <laughs> Charlotte doesn't give a crap that they have Charlotte Hornets basketball. I mean, they lost their team already to New Orleans. New Orleans doesn't care that they have a basketball team. So I understand. And this is a lady who has strong connections to Vegas so she might want to, if nothing goes through in in Texas or Dallas, Fort Worth, she might say, well, you guys had three years to pass this. You're not. I want to move the team to Vegas. But I'd, I would, to your point, have a tough time seeing all 29 other teams going, let's not have a team in Dallas. Would that be, Kevin, the, like a final push to Abbott to is like, hey, fine, then we're taking this Man, team with us. See, Abbott I'll or the governor might say well we have a team in houston and san antonio we still have two nba teams in our state yeah i'm interested in the high leverage of politics where they're like we'll take this team elsewhere if you don't build the arena i i feel like we would cave yeah, i don't know i don't know i, mean, I think they'd build the arena arena but like irving would vote for yeah. it or frisco would vote for it or dallas would vote for it the problem is is you can't have a casino connected to it i don't know how you get because that has to be there's a lot of lobbying to go through that. Yep. So that, I feel like there's at least two to three years before uh, this new family and Mark Cuban can possibly get ultimately what they want, and that is gambling in our state. And I guess I will now go on record. I've changed my mind. I'm against gambling in our state. I thought I'd always be for okay. it, but I, I just have a feeling we're going to, we're not going to turn into Shreveport. We're way bigger than that, but I think we will have a Shreveport area and maybe it will be Irving. 
I don't know if we need to go on the record then, but I will follow Mike's lead and go on the record. I am for both online and casino-style gambling in Ooh, the state of Texas. I am on the fence. Okay. I like this. We're like 58, 68, and 70. We're not sure who the, who's reporting. We're trying to confuse everybody. All right. So you're, the, you're reporting as eligible. That's, yes. We're the KNC masterpiece on a Mike Likes It that I bet went in a totally different yeah. direction than you were so expecting. So much for who do they think is going to be most valuable player of the year in baseball? We didn't even talk about Wander Franco. What a bold decision that was to just no show with the police and think that'll be fine. I guess if you don't show up, you can't get arrested. Well, guess what? It took a whole nother day and he did get arrested. We got that one listener they that found the run from the FBI because of fireworks. <gasps> Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.